it just appeals to a certain kind of like artsy asshole, you know? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Poor communication, a little bit of hubris, and he was kind of just a jerk, <laughs> you know, when he didn't need to be. I'm getting older, like, I don't want to live in the past either. I want to have new experiences and I want people to see me for who I am now. I see Val as Iceman or whatever. I'm just like, fuck you. But now I see that and I'm like, still fuck you. But also I want to give him a hug. Yeah. yeah. That's what struck me the most is that it's, it is a contrast in privilege while dealing with Hollywood. I mean, greetings. Dave here, dressed as Rory Kent for Halloween 2021. Let me put my glasses back on. Uh, to welcome you to Long Walk Short Drink, episode 96. Like 1996. The year that gave us Wes Craven's postmodern horror film classic, Scream. Jerry Maguire. Anita Franco's Dilate album, Pearl Jam's No Code, also uh, that year for Pearl Jam, a nice feature in the wonderful documentary Hype, uh, which is all about the Seattle, sort of all that was going on in Seattle in the early 90s, shot on 16 millimeter, fucking gorgeous. There's a really beautiful uh, Shout Factory edition of that, but that's my VHS. Also... The Crow, City of Angels, follow up to the 1994 film, of course. And uh, of course, I have things like the ooh, soundtracks, trying to hold those up there. I've got comic books. But uh, a novelization of this one, actually pretty interesting. So we are going to talk in today's episode about kind of tra some train wreck uh, movie productions and things that can kind of go wrong. And this was more of an interesting idea, this film, than how it actually came out in the novelization, uh, written from the screenplays by uh, Chet Williamson. Uh, is, is is more interesting than the chopped up and messed up film that <laughs> this resulted in. Still a very cool looking movie with an amazing uh, score by Graham Ravel. What else? So we got um, Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet starring Leonardo DiCaprio and Claire Danes and, and a lot of other faces you'd recognize. Um, I love this, this movie. It's like... Uh, you know, it's, oh, and speaking novelization here uh, for this one as well that features the the original kind of William Shakespeare text, but then also the Shakespeare text as it is re envisioned in the screen direction for this kind of frenetic um, modern telling of it. So they they speak those of you who've never seen it. They they speak the Shakespearean um, you know iambic pentameter, all that stuff, but everything's super modern. So when they talk about swords, they're holding guns that say sword on them. It's I fucking love it. It's awesome, actually. You know, I'm going to set this aside. I haven't seen this in ages. I want to rewatch it. More Shakespeare that year. Al Pacino's Looking for Richard. Super cool, kind of like somewhere between a cross of 
people examining Shakespeare, uh, you know, the actors and directors, but also kind of making a movie of the Richard III play. For years, it was the only thing Al Pacino directed, and I really uh, dig this. I'm set this aside, too. <laughs> Watch that on VHS. I don't know if... Oh, uh, and Hamlet. Kenneth Branagh's Hamlet came out. Big year for Shakespeare uh, retellings. For some reason, I only have this one as, like, Academy Award screeners. Oh, I can't fucking hold this stuff up. I'm, I'm, I'm not at the Academy, obviously, and I don't know how I came across these tapes. Probably some used bookstore type of thing. But... Um, just like the Crozity of Angels and the kind of shit show that was that, you know, production that didn't quite pan out is relevant to today's show. Uh, Hamlet, you'll see later, is is as well, as is my uh, fascination with it. <laughs> Certain kinds of folks, as we'll get to. Um, also had a big year that year, at least, in, is uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme, of course, his directorial uh, debut. And so far, the only one to see the light of day, The Quest, which is basically a remake of Bloodsport but not nearly as good, uh, came out. And uh, Maximum Risk, uh, which with Natasha Henstridge. Um, uh, I think the first time he worked with director Ringo Lamb. So they do really great work together. And he, he plays uh, brothers in this, but the one dies early on. That. Never mind. And I actually wrote about uh, the quest here. There's a, there's a book coming out next year called Blood Spurt that is uh, film by film, like essays about, um, you know, Van Damme's oeuvre <laughs> filmography. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I uh, I got to write about the quest, and uh, my piece is twice as long as any of them should be. And uh, the guy, the editor, uh, made an exception uh, based on, uh, I guess, it being the only movie he he directed. Um. So, and then on the uh, continuing on the horror front, we have the reimagining of uh, Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde, Mary Riley. Not necessarily reimagining, just told from a different perspective than that story usually is. Uh, that being from the maid here played by julie roberts and uh starring as jekyll and hyde uh, mr john malkovich very cool movie very dark but very good and can uh, so following the bram stoker's dracula uh mary shelley's frankenstein you know the coppola dracula the branagh frankenstein is following that kind of lineage and then i guess count wolf michael nichols's film with jack nicholson and michelle pfeiffer is kind of the modern wolfman now we got your modern mid-90s uh dr jekyll and mr hyde and then the remake of uh, Island of Lost Souls, the Island of Dr. Moreau, which we will be coming back to quite a bit in this uh, in this episode. But of course, we're not really talking about any of those things specifically, other than Moreau a bit. Um, just like we're not talking about the uh, persistent denial of proven science, political corruption, and general fucking reality by an alarming percentage of the American population. We are talking about the pair of documentaries, Val and lost soul the doom journey of richard stanley's island of dr moreau so now i've got a blu-ray of uh, of that film but val is uh, an amazon uh prime thing so i'm gonna hold up his uh his very fun film real genius this is the val this is my favorite val <laughs> actually i only really knew this movie because of the bride my wife uh loved this movie growing up and she introduced me to it when we met you know 15 years ago or whatever and it's so much fun. And it was a movie uh, Palmer is very familiar with from his uh, youth and uh, fond of as well. And uh, this Lost Soul, so we'll get into this Lost Soul, The Doom Journey of Richard Stanley's Island of Dr. Moreau. But um, I think you can find it various places, you know, for streaming. But uh, this Blu-ray has got a whole shit ton of stuff, including this Richard Stanley director reading H.G. Wells' Island of Dr. Moreau audiobook. 
um, and, and a bunch of other stuff. So I, I'd recommend that to you. And we don't talk about it, but the, we also watched, or at least I did, the uh, Island of Lost Souls. The Criterion's got a great edition of the original 1933 uh, film adaptation of H.G. Uh, Wells' novel that has Bella Lugosi as the, the truth-sayer. It's got that old, You made us in the house of pain! Bart man, Bart beast whole thing. Uh, and actually, uh, if you uh, that film is streaming on Criterion as well as a bunch of the Universal monster films right now. Uh, Bride of Frankenstein and The Raven, and I can't remember which all. Between that and Peacock, I think you can watch the, the whole Universal run or the majority of them. So some Halloween uh, there recommendations there. Oh, and uh, if you've got Netflix, uh, I would give a shout to Midnight Mass, the the latest from like the Haunting of Hill House and and uh, Doctor Sleep director Mike Flanagan. Really great like spooky show. I won't give away kind of exactly what it is, but it's a nice like kind of horror, but a lot of like uh, drama about recovery and forgiveness and this little island and. He's kind of he got his cast of characters as well, joined by, well, I think it was Matt Saracen from uh, Friday Night Lights. And uh, anyway, if you've got either of those services, check those things out this Halloween season. Before we get to the, the conversation, though, which is a relatively uh, short one, because, uh, well, I, we hopped on the, so Twinkie, just, Twinkie is joining us, um, Palmer and I, and he had, he had kind of had the, uh, he brought these two documentaries to the table, and then we all watched them. Palmer had seen the Lost Soul documentary years and years ago, as you'll hear me uh, mention i've been meaning to watch it forever and thankfully twinkie gave us that that nudge to uh to dive into these things um but so there is a bit of a we hopped on the hangout and then we kind of instantly got into some uh um like personal works stuff that we uh we can't include you know just too sensitive to you know i well, it's classified it's what it's classified i could tell you but then i'd have to kill you well, not really classified, but you know, we can't, uh, there's certain things we can't, uh, share. So there's a little bit of a jump there. And I think, uh, it jumps to like, um, a joke about, you know, working on the death star and then we get into it. But, um, I can't imagine people come to this making it like, Oh my God, it's only like less than two hours. I'm out. <laughs> They're probably like, Oh, thank God. But, uh, but anyway, so that's what, uh, we're in store for. And then, uh, and then after the show, if you stick around for the dreaming out loud arc, archive outro segment uh it's going to be from 1996 this uh short film uh, very short film i made uh called prison cell of circumstance that i <laughs> i'm having so many second thoughts about sharing but you know we give uh mr kilmer a good bit of grief about being as i i also self-identify and, and and bring up a certain kind of artsy asshole <laughs> And um, it just so happens that in 1996, the uh, the year that kind of corresponds with this um, episode number, I made this my most kind of angsty, artsy example of that type of uh, pretentious assholery uh, in this prison cell of circumstance thing. So, so it survives in the short film, and then in this um, this uh, like I don't know, like paper mache ish. Uh, scan so it was a multimedia project that i that i did as an independent study in high school and um and so i think what i ended up doing was i made this short film inspired by all this kind of crow inspired uh, depressing uh, angsty teenage poetry that's in, in these oh my god just to give you an example of just i'm not going to read the poetry my god 
but on the inscription you can see in the video <laughs> jesus christ it says here on these pages lies my heart bled onto the leaves of a seven dollar book and then i sign it oh the horror <laughs> but uh anyway so and again why am i sharing this i'm not sure i think to some extent it's just so that i've been meaning to kind of restore the short film and this will give me the uh the excuse to or the, the the push that i need to do so but uh but anyway so um mr robart let me do this independent project in there there in ritman ohio in the in the mid 90s and so i took the camera that had been filming the crow with with my our buddy jackson and kind of tried to film imagery inspired by this poetry I was writing and just general kind of visual collage. And then like, I'm in it. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And these little flashes of uh, tormented youth. <laughs> Jeez. And, uh, but anyway, so then I put it in this old black and white TV set and had the video play on a loop. And then, you know, Inspired by the the title it had we kind of created like like cardboard box around it that was covered in a paper mache of the the poetry with bars on the front and it won some sort of small um assholery arts award in wayne county <laughs> but so stick around for that or not but uh but yeah, there's not. Oh, the the main thing that I that that I is way more important than than that, and uh, is it in, for the Halloween season? If, if you're just listening to this as a podcast, uh, uh, just the audio, and that's how you normally listen to the show, you might not know that on our YouTube channel, um, all October uh, we've been adding short, well, short drinks and long walk uh, segments about uh, horror-themed topics from our like five-year run here. As we close in on episode 100, I've been kind of looking back, and I thought to myself, I wonder if we could do like a, a video a day for the uh, YouTube channel from these uh, from the archive. And so we did, and there was like just enough uh, uh, like segments that I could find. And some are really long, and some are really short, but they're all like get right to the point of whatever horror film or, or property we're talking about. Um, without any kind of preamble like this, like no introductions, no hi, how's it going? Just jump right into it. And then, uh, so yeah, if you haven't been checking those out, I mean, the, I'll leave them up in the, the playlist. Uh, we'll link to in the show notes. And you can uh, also find it on my website in the blog section. And uh, yeah, check them out. There's a lot of fun stuff there. Some like video versions we never showed, like for the Dead Zone. Oh, Twinkie joined us. And uh, there's this great moment where like his cat is... He's like, he's basically wearing his cat like a scarf or, you know, um, it's really cool. It was really fun. And I had fun putting that together and, uh, and that's all I, I needed to or want to tell you about for now, uh, even more than probably I should have with this whole prison cell nonsense. But, um, we'll get right to the conversation with Palmer, Twinkie and myself talking Val and the lost soul, the doom journey of Richard Stanley's Island of Dr. Moreau pair of documentaries. This is Roy Kent. Say have a fucking good Halloween. Enjoy the show. Hi, my name's Val. I don't do this with every interview I go on. Take you inside my home. I don't. But I'm going to. My name is Val Kilmer. I'm an actor. I've lived a magical life. And I've captured quite a bit of it. <laughs> I was the first guy I knew to own a video camera. Here we are, filming ourselves. Is that a video camera? Yeah. Oh, that's really cool, Val. I have thousands of hours of videotapes and film reels that I've shot throughout my life and career. Shut the video camera off. I will keep it on until we're rehearsing. 
I was recently diagnosed with throat cancer. I'm still recovering, and it is difficult to talk and to be understood. But I want to tell my story more than ever. I spent decades finding my voice. I was a perfectly normal person. Through characters. I give you about four takes with some different voices. Through movies. <laughs> One of the things they, they buy for all that money your life for a period of time. I have behaved poorly. All white, all brown, all women. I have behaved bravely, bizarrely to some. How do you heal a broken heart? I see myself as a sensitive, intelligent human being, but with the soul of a clown. I've tried to hear. It's a story about my life that is also not my life. We just thought that Richard Stanley doing Island of Dr. Moreau was one of the most exciting projects we'd heard of in a while. This is going to be a huge project and this is going to propel Richard Stanley into the superstardom that he deserves as an auteur. It was a script we were extremely confident in that we thought would be some sort of milestone in the genre. New Line tried in different ways to contain the material. I wasn't particularly enthusiastic about the project, frankly. There was some lunatic movie that's known as one of the worst films ever made. Marlon Brando and Val Kilmer were there to mess with the film as much as possible. I've dealt with some very, very difficult actors in my life, but I have never ever dealt with somebody like Marlon Brando. He wanted an ice bucket on top of his head. He'd covered himself in white paint. I think that's how the whole mini-me thing developed, of Marlon ad adopting this little guy. It doesn't matter who directs it. It's not, it's not, it's not about the vision, it's, a, you know, it's about the stars. Did you hear about, oh my god, the, the Richard Stanley climbed into a tree today, it wouldn't come down. He was living and breathing Moreau, and then literally just have that murdered. I think he probably went a bit mad. I think once that rumor started that Richard Stanley was in the background, that I think that just grew into Richard Stanley then wanting to sabotage the shoot. As it went on, it descended into more and more kind of madness. I knew that this was going to be totally insane and that we were going to be hugely lucky if we just finished a film with a beginning, a middle, and an end. Knowing that the odds were stacked against me, I resorted to witchcraft. Look at all that hair. Look oh, at man. handsome. Boyish, even. October <laughs> yeah. 11th, it all goes away. It's just been scheduling and, well, you know, just... Life. Sort of. I don't have ch children, so I feel like that's a really big <laughs> difference. You are such a bastard, Twinkie. You look exactly <laughs> yeah, like yeah. you fucking did when we went to fucking high school. <laughs> like, I watched the cabin trailer that Dave like, oh. sent out, and I'm just like, 
motherfucking Twinkie, man. Yeah. <laughs> Dude looks exactly well, the same. That's very kind of you. I yeah. feel that way sometimes, but. Well, I never feel that way. Ugh. Jesus. Ugh, man. man I'm, so. you, know, you bring that up. I'm really proud of all those kids. Thought yeah. About, I thought about that when Dave sent that out. I really am. Yeah. How so? Yeah, I mean, I think so. I just love that's a, such a sweet adjective. And I'm just like, I don't know. Hopefully I'm proud of myself some days. Or <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, I mean, I don't know. We probably all have things we'd like to change along the way and whatnot. But given everything else, and I mean, life is just fucking hard. And um, just really proud of the way that they've made their way in the world. You know, at least the interactions yeah. I've had. Yeah, they talk to you two the most, but and they all and everybody. I mean, it's amazing. I think one of the one of my favorite parts of the cabin kids is that there were everybody had a strong personality in a different way, and that's how it was able, I think, to like exist as powerful as it did because we all loved each other's power, like strong personalities, but they were just unique enough from each other that they could coexist together without like there being any ego or hubris, you know, and that got in the way. And uh, now all these years later, after that, <clears throat> it's amazing at how different each one of our lives turned out. Uh, is just and 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 successful and again it's like we all kind of got i at least this is my hope the life that we wanted that we or if not even if we didn't know that we wanted it then but it's like it's the life that's really satisfying for us you know so it's i, I try to remember that every day and but that is something that i look at at all the cabin kids and i'm just like man they're all I think a Kate, uh, I probably shouldn't say her name, but Katie on the boat and yeah. doing like exactly that. And like yeah. Dave works in media every day. And like as, as harrowing as that is, like <laughs> that, I, I know, <laughs> like, I know that the actual work he loves mm -hmm. and who that is, there's just not enough people that get to say that in this world, that the yeah. actual work part of their job is something that they love. It's that's like the secret, right? Like yeah. the like if you, the secret to success is like find somebody to pay you to do what you love. You oh know? my god, and, it's so funny that it came up. I just want to mention that 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 is so relevant for what seems like it may not be to what some things I wrote down about what we watch for today. But I want I'm sorry yeah, to interrupt but your that's thought. That's a quote. That's a quote. <laughs> yes, I, so totally you knew it too. Okay. That quote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sorry to ruin so, your bit. I'll cut but, that out and make it seamless. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you, you did it, you know? So, uh, and I, but I look at all the cabin kids and I think we all kind of got that in a, in, in a certain way, you know? Yeah. And I mean, th that doesn't, I mean, not, not to call him out specifically, but Bauman, for example, we wouldn't necessarily find anything in common with him, or I wouldn't necessarily find a lot in common with him, but I know that he's pursuing with great passion, um, something that he values tremendously and um the 99 percent part of me that maybe doesn't 100 you know doesn't like that or whatever whatever the words i'm trying to say there there's that one percent that still 
admires that and can appreciate it at that level. So, yep. Yep. I just, it's a, I had to step back and Dave sent that, which by the way, thank you very much. And I've watched it multiple times um, just to um, kind of come to terms with some of that. Yeah. It's really good. Oh, such a great, your smile is just like <laughs> lifting Twinkie. It's like uplifting to see. Yeah. You are disarmingly oh, handsome yeah. and it's upsetting us all. I need to get on this <laughs> yeah. podcast more often. I'm, yeah. I, I enjoy being with you all so much. And then you shower <laughs> me with all of these things. And I feel like I, I don't know how to respond. Let me embarrass you just a little bit more because my wife is always like, oh, Twinkie's on, huh? I was like, all right, <laughs> relax. <laughs> she says a little more about all that that Ooh. I like, which of course she does to, to bother me or to, yeah. to antagonize yeah, yeah. me. But I, she, I think she's also serious. <laughs> oh, that's oh, goodness. Well, I, I, my wife has made multiple threats about if I don't get my hair cut. You know, things may things may go south in the bedroom. Oh, so we gotta, we gotta oh man. <laughs> but not in the good way. No. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. I, I love to take trips south yeah. of the border. No, I'm with you. Oh, you know, so. I'm, I'm but, good. I like that. Yeah. But Yeah. No. We're all, you know, we all like different things. I get it. So yeah, yeah. I want the hair to stay. That I was yeah. doing something for me. Yeah, it's like you I, I, I with a beard. I still, <laughs> I still like the mohawk look. The the, the oh, mohawk yeah. phase yeah. of Twinkie that was I fantastic. So Holly does as well. Yeah. Well, before we get too far ahead, I actually part. I'm participating in alcohol today. If All anybody right. else is, I, hey, I understand. Yeah. I don't know what day it is for Palmer, but I no. Nope. I, I the reason I'm kind of late is I went big. Whoa! Wow! Howler. I got a growler. We, we, oh, Blue Moon, of course, is a national beer, but we have, because it started in Colorado in Coors Field and then was purchased by Coors, I think, later. But they actually have a brewery where they brew a small batch stuff. And so you can oh, nice. go, and it's not just Blue Moon. It's any range of things. And picked up, I have a two. These are only 32-ounce growlers. So we got a, it's, an, it's a way we can justify buying multiples. And yeah. Wednesdays, it's half-off pours. So it means it's like free. Oh. That's like fantastic. free beer. Yeah. yeah. So that's fresh. So, this is fresh. Mm. Yep. One of the reasons I was running a little behind running the errands and stopped there. And uh, it's a, it's a light sky, which is kind of their like reduced calorie thing, but oh. it's a, a tropical wheat Ooh. beer. Nice. And it sounded good. And I'm, I'm going with it. All right. Awesome. So, awesome. That's exciting. Yeah. I'm not sure hey, how much of it I'm going to go I, with. But. I am. Uh, I got surly as I as I often do. I oh. I, I go to uh to this this one store that sells singles. You know, usually on the day or, or day before, to just see what they have. And they just they've had that a lot recently, and nothing else sounds better to me. So I always seem to yeah. gravitate towards that. Pretty pretty standard fare for me. But uh, what about you, sir? Yeah, Palmer. What's on the I, agenda? I've, I've been uh, drinking. Ash and I have been drinking these all summer. Oh, they're man, that looks uh, great. so. Narragansett, which is normally like a that it's a cheaper beer in the I would say in the vein of like <clears throat> PBR it's and stuff like that. So, uh, but they teamed up with some local. It must be a local uh, orchard near them, or or some fr- I don't know. But it's a mango. It's a shandy. They have a lemon one, and then they have this mango passion fruit one. Uh, it, 
and uh, we've just been drinking them all summer. They're so good. So awesome! That looks delicious. I I have yeah. been doing. We've been getting at least one like fruit or lighter wheat beer to go along with something else when we usually go there, and that seems yeah. like it would fit right in. It sounds oh, delicious. Yeah. All right. Well, let's, uh, Dave, let's pop these. You ready? Yeah, I am. So All right. Ready. On three and three. Nice. See if I can not spill it this time. Cheers. Cheers. Absolute cheers. Well, while we're on the, uh, and I don't know, if, you know, cut this out or do whatever you want to do with it, but I, I have received, um, another email from an apostolic person. Uh, just the other day and oh, wow. uh, just, just feedback for you all that, you know, for whatever reason, people are still listening to this and um, still taking time. I, I kind of, um, you know, without, I'm not calling anybody out, but I think one of the, probably the biggest things that I've noticed in the emails that people are the least comfortable with is my nickname. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> and I wonder how many people have like sat down to write something and have been like, can I do it Twinkie though? Like, is that really what he wants to be called? Like they're like apologizing for calling me that. And oh, you call me Twinkie again, yeah. we're done. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you fucking call me Twinkie? <laughs> Uh, uh, it's just kind of I that to same tone in this email, and yeah, I mean, just it's all been positive, nothing negative for sure. Oh, that's good. But, oh, good. Uh, yeah, but you know, just in general, to you all, um, for whatever reason, it's connecting with people, and I, I mean, I shouldn't say for whatever reason, it should connect with people because it's yeah. a real, true, honest experience. There's no, you know, we're not, we're not digging for clicks or. Or, or, you know, it's just a, uh, an actual experience that people know to be accurate and true. And of course it's going to relate to them on some level. So, yeah. And most people are my age or younger that I've gotten feedback from. Um, and so it's probably a little bit of a generational thing too, would be my guess. Um, it's a really small sample size, but everybody has (laughs) some level of college education so I think we're probably re- reaching a certain group of people with a sub kind of group within, of course, the larger uh, demographic. But either way, you know, it's the same. It's an opportunity to, to talk to people and try to find a way to relate to them and reach them where they are. And um, it's been good multiple times. It's the gift that keeps on giving. So. Maybe should have swore lightly less, but <laughs> all in all, still in, in for a penny, in for a pound. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. Oh, that's so uh, invigorating. Yeah. For sure. Um, yeah. Soon, well, you guys are not going to be, soon we're going to have to take it on the road, right? We're going to have to do <laughs> LWSD live shows at like apostolic meetings. Yeah, uh, Max so only shows. Are, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're gonna take this thing out on the road. So. Oh my gosh, like a tent revival. Yeah, <laughs> the LWSD like tent revival. The one eighty, the hundred eighty degree from a tent revival, but yes, similar yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, the tent your... would be about the only thing in common. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
<laughs> you would have uh, to narrate your story, but I guess the way that Palmer and I could participate is acting it out. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like yeah. pretending to drive yeah. to Colorado. <laughs> yeah. Oh shit! That's uh, hilarious. Uh, I wanted to just good. throw that out there before I forgot. I'm glad to hear it, and especially glad too that it's uh, sounds like it's on the positive side. That that's nice to hear that. Uh, I don't know. It's offering some. Yeah, I mean, to some degree, we kept it positive. I mean, I don't. Yeah. I mean, I didn't. We didn't keep it positive. It is a positive thing in my life. For whatever negatives there are, yeah. the positives that have come from it do outweigh the negatives. I mean, I'm not making anything up or. I think just being truthful and honest is the way to go about it. That's a good way to get to people. I I think uh, I think that's great. And I it, it also I mean I I don't know if you heard in the last couple episodes, but Dave and I have been commenting on between some of the content that Dave has loaded in and other things, which I think that the, the those couple episodes really have contributed to this too, like it took us almost five years. I feel like to get to a hundred subscribers and we're over 200 subscribers since then, since that milestone, you know, uh, which we had a huge jump, I think all as a result of just, again, that honest and true experience and, um, interest, like Dave always says, interested is interesting. And it, you know, while making a show is not, my goal, I, I, I had this epiphany again this week that, that like the whole purpose of this is to have intentional time for me to talk to my friends. I'm not, tr- everything beyond that is just extra. And I also, you know, the result of all of the work though of making this show has all been the work, you know, Dave has put the, have done the heavy lifting on that portion of it. And, uh, it just is nice that it's paying out that both of those things I think are converging for sure, which is nice. Yeah. Yeah. The, in case anyone is somehow hearing this, who is not familiar with those episodes, uh, it's episode 89 and then a bonus episode just before that doesn't have a number. Uh, talk about Twinkies uh, experience, in the apostolic tradition <laughs> yeah. church and church, I guess you could say. I love the idea that people, that the uptick comes from that and then they've stuck on for all the, I guess sort yeah. of pop culture things and just are completely unrelated uh, things that we, we talk about. I like the idea that some of those folks are along for the ride. They're just waiting for my next pulpy tell all, you know what I'm saying? They're ready. Oh, the, nice. The dirt yeah. on the next one. Yeah. Sorry. You're going to be disappointed. You got, you got it all in one episode. So. <laughs> 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 oh, that's awesome. Uh, so, uh, what's, uh, we have two very different movies to talk about. (laughs) Yeah. And also like we have just started to, to catch up as well. Cause I'm also interested, uh, what's been going on recently with both of you. Well, since I have your attention, we are. We are janitors on the Death Star, is what we are. Yeah, exactly. Like that's seriously. <laughs> no, like, you know, like I for the last three years, I was a janitor trainee. Like, yeah. <laughs> so uh, that don't don't uh, don't forget that. So well, I feel it, like it, I'm the stormtrooper that hits his head on the thing coming yeah. down. <laughs> oh man, yeah, every day, dude, every day. 
so just again like as as hard as i know i hope that you take solace in knowing that as hard as your job can be and i'm not i'm not trying to minimize that at all because i know your job is hard but like if i if i was if i was able to make a living fixing pinball machines that's what i would fucking do you yeah. know what I, you oh, know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah, no, it's important for me to remember. I th- I thought of that last night. I mean, my job isn't hard. My the people I'm forced to work with sometimes are rarely. Just recently, there's been a really toxic person, and thank God, as opposed to like nine months ago when I seem to be the only one saying that, there are most people saying it now. So hopefully awesome. that'll have good, a yeah. good, good, really good. But I was like walking back. I you know, and re- mostly nine to five days and stuff like that. But like yesterday I was filming, I was filming a gospel choir singing on the steps of a building so that they could sing outside for this project. And they're just like, you know, it's just like joyous, like literally glory, hallelujah, like a hip, not a hip hop version, but it had like a beat to it. And then, so like that in itself was fun. We had a clapboard, which we rarely do because we're syncing cameras. And I was like, I might as well do that anyway. But I'm like walking back in this beautiful sunset across the Mississippi river. All of my gear is like packed up but I'm like, oh, these would be amazing shots. So I just whip out my cell phone and, and I'm getting stuff. And it literally occurred to me. I'm like, man, I need to remember this kind of thing. Cause it's just like such a privilege. Like you said, uh, yeah. it, it's true. It's true. Cause we, I think we've kind of talked about this before where it's like, I can think of all of the things that I just want to complain about. And I think have like a legitimate gripe and then think about all the privilege and it's like, well, the two things can both be true. You know, yeah, it's okay. Yeah. You know, you've talked yeah. about that before. And so that's and that's the piece that you come with is it's like my experience, in my experience, shit gets fucking hard. And I feel like it gets harder than it needs to be sometimes. But then I can still say I still though have it way easier than a millions yeah. of people. Millions. Just, easily it's like Dave millions. was saying, just kind of finding millions. that finding that place where you look around and you're like, Oh, they do pay me to do this. Wow. Yeah. yeah okay. It's yeah. nice when that's genuine. Cause I think otherwise like it's difficult and kind of rings hollow when you, it's important to remind yourself. I mean, I've been doing at least for the last year, maybe more. And I've been falling off recently in the last couple of weeks, but I've like a daily gratitude journal. Like I do it in a, in a in note cards. Cause I was too late to get a proper like journal journal. But like, here's this and every, every like thing on these cards is like, I'm grateful today for the time in the morning that I got to whatever down to whatever happens. Like, even I try to do it about difficult things, you know, um, to find the yeah. gratitude in it and that's good. And I think it has shifted my perspective in all of that. But I, yeah, I, I think it's, that's, that's that delicate balance for me of like trying to not suppress things that need to be let out by being like, I should be fine. I should be fine. There should be no problem here. There should be no problem. It's such a delicate yeah. thing. Yeah. Uh, Especially when you just don't yeah. have any sort of like training on it or nobody equipped me yeah. Right. Yeah. to have this emotional intelligence Yeah. Um, <laughs> because it just, it wasn't a thing. And right. Or my parents, I mean, they, yeah. they didn't believe it or they didn't understand it or they didn't know it or, whatever, whatever the reason was just not being equipped for that. And so mm-hmm. you kind of have to work at it and whether that's yep. through a professional, which I highly recommend, um, yeah. or, you know, just working through it on your own and kind of finding those boundaries is important. 
and all above, I do so many things <laughs> that all sort yeah. of thankfully like, <laughs> well, no, it's, it's okay. all incremental, I guess. It's like weight loss. They say, you know, you, you, uh, it tends to only be after like suddenly a period of time passes or you deal with a situation a little bit better than you might have otherwise. And then you're like, oh yeah, <laughs> I've made a little progress, but it's not linear. It's not noticeable not usually. And, uh, no. Every once in a while, you're like, he says oh. as he cracks his beer open, it's not linear yeah. at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. This has been good. Do you guys want to just keep, keep, well, do you want to try to pivot and, and do it? Or you want to yeah. just talk about everything we should have talked yeah. about? Because I'm fine with that too. <laughs> no, I'm good with some Val. Okay. I've been, I've been looking forward to, so I watched just for like record, I watched um, Val. I watched Island, the actual movie, The Island of Dr. Moreau. Oh, nice! And, and then, of course, the 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 other documentary, Lost Soul, the Lost Souls, I think. Yeah. Yes. Um, yes. Lost That's Souls. That's awesome. Was, yeah, was was uh, quite a watch for sure. Oh <laughs> yeah. man, it, I, I there's a few of those like just train wreck production documentaries that like the production is just so awful and hair, you know notorious that it gets its own documentary uh if you've never seen the alien 3 documentary it is just like that really uh, it is okay oh man is it so like it's bat shit just the cycle that movie went through and it, and i so alien 3 is one of my favorite of the series i know a lot of people hate it including david fincher uh but when you watch that documentary, it makes you appreciate what you got for sure. Cause it's just like, it could have been garbage considering what it went through to make it to the screen. So I do remember like hearing about water world, right? Like, oh, yeah, it's just a terrible production and environmental stuff with like storms, but also Kevin Costner is a piece of shit or whatever. I don't know. I forget, you know, all the rumors that swirled around that movie and you kind of hear these things in Hollywood, but, so you get a chance like this to hear people talk about their experiences. It's really somewhat, it's real illuminating. Oh yeah, absolutely. And uh, I, I just think it's the, the, like the, because the movie is lost soul day. What's the guy's name? Like James Richard Stanley. It, oh, Richard Stanley's uh, the, the original director making of the Island of Dr. Moreau. I think that's the whole title of the documentary. It's but a it's long lost one. Soul. It's like, yeah, long yeah. lost soul, the doom journey of Richard Stanley's Island of Dr. Moreau. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, so like, he's the main character. He's the main focus of that. Doc like that. He, they just keep coming back to him and just like, and then Val is the, you know, obviously the main character is Val Kilmer. And so, who also was the cinematographer who provided all of the footage that and I'm sure had to approve what was used, etc. Uh, it just two very ends of the spectrum dealing with Hollywood and, and talent and privilege. Again, I think if you really look at it uh, and seeing both of their experiences and then how both documentaries have very small sections where they interact, like overlap with each other. And, oh yeah, yeah. Which is fan, which is great. 
So, uh, yeah, uh, it, I, I just, that's what struck me the most is that it's, it is a contrast in privilege while dealing with Hollywood. I, in, again, my opinion between the two. Yeah, that's, that's super interesting. And, and what you were saying before, there's something, I can't remember what it was that, that lit this up in me, but is one of the things that I've noticed in being, paying so much attention to the behind the scenes of movies and the careers of creative people over the years, especially though in Hollywood, more so than perhaps in the music world, people don't want to say bad things about people because it could cost them a job someday. So they just yep. don't. And, yep. um, and that can be, you know, that's probably to some extent, that's like a, not a bad way to live life is to not <laughs> like talk shit about people, but it may be things that contributed to some of the insidious things that are starting to come out in the last, you know, so many years where, you know, certain people that had privilege and power wielded that over others and really, uh, you know, oppressive and, uh, you know, horrible and illegal ways. <laughs> but, uh, but some, a lot of it's just like people just don't want to talk out of school for fear that, uh, it might cost them opportunity. So I don't know if enough time had passed with this, uh, like 20 some years after the, the, uh, Island Dr. Moreau, but folks were willing to kind of speak about it. Uh, there's a couple other, I'll throw them out just because, uh, the alien three one, I hope I can find a way to watch that without, I bought an alien box at one time, like on a cheat on the cheap and it didn't have it. It wasn't a proper box set and it didn't have yeah, it. And I can't I noted see it. it. I want to also want to see if I can find it. Yeah. Cause I love these type of things. The, 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 the two. So there's one other like true train wreck one that I am not familiar with that I, or that I, and I know of, I haven't watched yet. And it is the documentary about Superman lives. The documentary is called the death of Superman lives. What happened? And it came out in 2015 and it's about Kevin the Smith Superman, right? Yes. Yeah, the one that Kevin Smith helped uh, write and that Nicholas cage was going to star in and Tim Burton directed or was going to direct. And mostly what survives is like some makeup tests with Nicholas cage with long hair. Oh man. I, uh, that might have to, now I did purchase some sort of weird digital package. This might be in our future. I'll just, I'll just say that. Cause like, what is more <laughs> long walk, short drink than Kevin Smith and Nick cage. <laughs> but, uh, um, so I haven't seen it yet, but it came out in 2015 and I do have it on some hard drive somewhere. It hasn't really gotten the proper release, but, um, and then, of course, I'd heard about this Lost Soul documentary, but the two, like, other, they're not, the films weren't train wrecks, the, but the documentaries are similar. Uh, so it's, have by me, so it's uh, Hearts of Darkness, A Filmmaker's Apocalypse. I got the laser disc that here one, for. That one came to mind as I was yeah. talking. I was like, and, Heart of Darkness is another one. Oh, and this one is one of my favorite movies ever, and it's the, it's not the making of apocalypse it's kind of the making of apocalypse now but it's it's so much more than that and uh i cannot recommend it enough i think it eventually came out in 1991 uh actually gene siskel says best film of the best film of 1991 the magic and the madness of making an apocalypse now um but yeah, anyway, so this great. is like a hallmark of this type of thing, except for it's not documenting a train wreck. It's documenting a it's documenting a masterpiece. And right. but the making of it is is as nuts as as what we're going to talk about. Yeah. And then the other yeah. sort of one that I would throw out, Burden of Dreams, it, uh, it's about the making of Fitzgeraldo, which is a Werner Herzog movie about a man, Klaus Kinsey, who's a maniac in real life. <laughs> 
great documentary by him that that he that uh, Herzog eventually made called My Best Fiend. Ooh, that's good. Kinski's a, a madman. Anyway, but in the movie, like the guy's trying to bring opera to the jungle and tries to dra- drag a ship over a mountain, and they do it for real. Yeah. And there's a lot of crazy stuff, and a lot, and in a lot of ways, Burden of Dreams is the template for uh, Hearts of Darkness. It's just not, you know, it's the making of a foreign language film. It doesn't have movie stars that we would be so familiar with, so it's not maybe as uh, exciting. But it, I, I, I definitely recommend folks that are fans of this kind of thing to seek it out. That's another making of a masterpiece, but Jesus Christ, hearts of darkness. Oh, but anyway, so I've been wanting, I love that kind of stuff because of loving movies like this. I even kind of made sort of something like this with the making, uh, docu- making of documentary of my teenage adaptation of the crow that started at somebody else tried to kind of use our youthful adaptation of the crow to kind of talk about the crow phenomenon. And then they stopped working on it and I finished it and I got to take it festivals and stuff like that. But those were some templates of like looking at dramatic arcs, try to find dramatic arcs in real life, which is tricky. Anyway, I'm a fan of that kind of stuff. So in the early days of long walk short drink, Palmer tells me about a lost soul, the making of this train wreck movie. And I was like, Oh, I got to see this. And for whatever reason, it took like four more years (laughs) for to actually do it. And I did finally. What were you going to say? I was going to say, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I didn't realize that this had been something that Palmer had known about all of this time. Oh, yeah. Um, I I watched this, I think, before even we started recording Long Walk Short Drink. I think I had already seen it. Was this because of your your blood feud with Kilmer or your interest in (laughs) Island? Actually, this is what I think. This was the impetus for the blood feud with Kilmer because he. We're getting to the heart of it. Yeah, the heart of yeah. the darkness. The heart of darkness. <laughs> yeah. Holy shit! No, I, 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 I really had a great time. You know, I guess I don't. Know, I guess I was never like a huge Val Kilmer person, so it was nice to actually be able to explore this. I think I mentioned last time. I remember seeing the um, the saint in the theater, but only because I was interested in that kind of fifties or that like golden age of radio the saint and the, the Alec Baldwin was in a, a movie called the shadow a little earlier. And so I was interested in the genre. I wasn't really interested in Kilmer. So um, this, these were really great experiences to be able to see him talk about his past and explore that. And to see him through his lens, how he mm-hmm. views himself through his lens. Um, I am all of the jokes aside and all of the like the talk I'm going to probably say, like the things I'm going to say about his privilege and stuff like that. I genuinely got from that documentary. He absolutely adores his children. I got from that documentary that <clears throat> uh, a really good, just like uh, uh, Roger Ebert's documentary a oh, really yeah. good look at the struggle with cancer and the aftermath of that. And just knowing that again, with privilege, I mean, both of my parents went through that struggle and then to see like he's using his, whatever clout he has that he's getting this out into the masses to, to be able to see what that can do to someone and what that can do, especially to a figure who depends on their voice and, and all of those things. And just the like effort he put into like 
all the times he did t speak during the documentary. And I feel like it, like at the beginning, it he was very reluctant. And then by the end, he was doing more talking than his son was doing for, like as narrating for him, uh, which was, which was great. You could t see that he was finding his place in that documentary through that. All of that was so genuine and so well portrayed and just, um, very, 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 very worth watching. Yeah, I, I, I was just really stunned um, when you compare Val's to to Lost Souls, just like kind of one to one. You know, there it's clear that there's some level of lost communication between Val and Richard Stanley. You know, yep. different expectations about what was going to take place and you know you could at least i could see both perspectives i could see how richard stanley would think how val's being an asshole and i could see how val's thinking i'm adrift here because i don't understand the direction i'm going to be going in and i'm not being taken seriously as an actor and how that could that can just you know and he that. made it a point to show like he is i i would not have guessed this about him but he at least this is what I took from that was very dependent on his director to find his character and, and what to do at least when he would be lost with that character. Right. I, the, the, when he's on uh, is red planet or whatever, the Mars one that he was in and he's like walking with, they're about to shoot a scene. Like he's walking to his Mark with the director and he's like, yes, but I really feel like as a director, like, Right now, I really need you as an actor, and I don't think I'm getting what I need from my director. And like he makes that statement, and I can, and then that cuts to almost, or it's right somewhere around there too. It cuts to Robert Downey Jr. saying, like, essentially defending Val Kilmer in some era where somebody's bitching about Val Kilmer on set. It had to have been around Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, but he's just like, yeah, all that bullshit where it's just like, oh, Val Kilmer on no. No, he's a perfectionist and a professional, and he, if he if he asks his director for direction, he expects that to happen so that he can deliver the best possible performance. I can totally see that perspective. The hubris got in the way, though, where he, in my opinion, where he's just like he. That was a mentoring moment where he like especially for somebody who wanted to make this retreat. They made it a point to say that like he wanted an artist retreat. That was what all his land in Arizona was for. or New Mexico was for was to have that artist retreat. What better time instead of not respecting a young new director that you inadvertently that you signed up to be in their film and then blew up as an actor after you had agreed to do it essentially what an opportunity to mentor him to just say like, all right, well, when you're going to deal with actors like me, like that, we're going to expect these things. Can we just sit and can we have a conversation and like try to instead, he's just like, as soon as he knew he wasn't going to get what he needed from that director, he, he chose the path of being a roadblock instead of like supporting and he had and what's so frustrating is there are multiple passion projects that he points out in his own documentary and in the richard stanley documentary they the first third of that is just talking about how 
this is my dream project. He, he says, like, I was four years old and this was this caught my eye in my dad's library because it was bright red. And they always told me it was too scary for me to read, which made me want to read it even more. Like that was his passion project. And what an opportunity that again, that Val Kilmer could have used his privilege in a mentoring position and instead chose to be used his privilege to be an asshole. Yeah. I'd say, and and to, to almost submarine the production of the movie, you know, yeah. Just because Brando decides, you know, I'm just going to, engage in all of this fuckery you know like i don't know it is it's a certainly a maturity issue right i don't know how val was at the time but i mean i guess i would like to believe that if val were to do island of dr moreau now even you know obviously without having the experience of doing it before and and production was going awry he would now have a a career perspective that sure. would allow him to engage yeah. differently. I And I think that also is kind of the message he's trying to like put out there is like, I see myself as a misunderstood person. And I, and just because I talk about his privilege doesn't mean he doesn't acknowledge it at times. I mean, he talks about how like his dad was in prime real estate for him to be in Hollywood and he's like gets accepted to Juilliard and like is this beautiful young white male that like is doing commercials and all those things prior to that and then gets to be in film and then instant like he because he's such a dedicated worker that he like he'll just take anything which is funny because he like that he talks about how top secret wasn't something that he would have ever dreamed he would have would have been in right and uh but he did it because it was work and it was practice you know so yeah I, and i feel like richard you know richard stanley is like came from a single mom and he talks about how like she had you know she was a good mom but she had issues and like like had this like tumultuous upbringing where he was just like her tag along through things he made it seem like and just all these again it it just is contrasting watching them both talk about these like passion projects and where they came from to get there and yeah it's unfortunate that that's really what it I, I think is my the chain. I, I used to just like absolutely loathe the, the idea of Val Kilmer and how he treated him on that set. And after watching Val Kilmer and then watching that documentary again and being older than I am than the first time I watched it, it's just like they again were just misunderstood. Poor communication, a little bit of hubris, and he was kind of just a jerk, you know, where yeah. he didn't oh. need to be, you know, yeah, it's not and, excusing Val or anybody else on that set's behavior. Yeah. Obviously yeah. Stanley was in way over his head, way, way, way. having yeah. some level of an emotional breakdown of some kind or se- severe anxiety, depression. I mean, there was a lot of things in play there, but like Palmer, you emphasized, you can make a different choice as an actor Especially at that time, he wasn't. Was Batman before that? 
I don't remember. Well, that that was the that was the thing is like he was on the press junket for Batman oh, okay. when he called them to Japan and was like, "I don't want to do this movie." He okay. he essentially told him, "If I come right. down there and I do this movie, I I don't want to do it. I know I signed up to do it, but I don't want to do it." Right. And like, and then he talked about he like went to film Heat directly after it. So, but it, you know, these, yeah, these like really well received and or commercially successful movies, whether you like it or not what you say and do is going to decide the fate of a movie set. Yep. I mean, that's just from my experience in a workforce. If the lead person is pompous and not gracious and not what, you know, it's going to, it's going to bleed over into everybody else, you know? And then it got to the point where Stanley had no control over the set. Right. Because. Yep you choose to usurp him and yep that's tough to see i agree with you he wasn't over his head and maybe even val helping more than hindering might not have made the difference it might have still been destined to fail uh i i really think that his producer is is it his producer He's like kind of the chubbier guy with glasses, but he says at the end, he's like, I think if Richard would have gotten to make his like $8 million version oh, yeah. of Island of Dr. Moreau, it would have, he would have finished it. It would have been fine. It would have, you know, he would have been satisfied. We would have still made a profit, but instead it just became this beast that he could, he was not prepared to control, you know? Yeah. Especially when you get personalities like Marlon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I want to see the version they had originally with James Woods in Val Kilmer's position and Bruce Willis in uh or no, is the was it the other way around? Or no, he was the Bruce Willis was the main character, the like shipwreck guy, basically. And James Woods would have been Val Kilmer's character. And I think they still had Marlon Brando as uh, the doctor, but that would have been, man, the dynamic in that I fucking would have been awesome. Awesome. And like they said, they had that like uh, uh, apocalypse now kind of connection. They're like, this is like from the people that brought you a po-. There was one of those posters. I don't know if it was real yeah. or not. I'm trying to remember what the other one was like the people that brought you apocalypse now. And then maybe the writer, but yeah, so that was an interesting thing with the the, the Brando because that was like part of the thing with Apocalypse Now too. He came in and it was not at all what they expected. Yeah. He did some fucked up shit. His, he was fat and his head was shaved and he wasn't remembering lines. He refused to come to the yeah. set. All of that stuff. But that turned out well. But yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, I think, I think um, you know, he, Coppola made all the right choices basically to adapt to Brando. Whereas I think Frankenheimer... And Stanley were not willing to adapt to Brando's bullshit. Um, right. Well, they talk about like he had an earpiece in and his assistant was just reading lines to him and he would. Yeah. He got recite. pissed because she tried to, he's like, God oh, damn it. Yeah. I told you not to act. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. don't act. There are so many things that I'd like to verify. Like they talked about like how they think mini me came from this movie. Like, I can see that. Yeah. The timeline totally is see not that, bad. But I'd love to hear like where that act, like, is that true? <laughs> well, this, this, so the South Park thing is definite. That I mean, they're oh, yeah. riffing on that. The South Park one is a definite, but the 
Yeah, the mini me thing. I I, I don't it know. Has, I mean, it almost has to be right. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, because they dress the, like they did that thing where they dress the the they same the and same. all of that. And yeah, I don't know that I, that, I that just, was a thing before. <laughs> I had to pause it because I was laughing so hard at <laughs> the idea that mini me came from the island of Doctor Moreau. Yeah, oh, that's oh, good stuff. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you watched, so you watched recently the the actual island of Doctor yeah. Moreau, right? Yeah, I didn't. It, uh, one of the things I was looking for was to see if I could find the character that he played. Because for, for everybody watching, Richard Stanley never leaves. He's told he needs to leave Australia um, and, and has to remain like 40 kilometers away because they were scared Yeah, because of some like somewhat benign threat. But basically, he was going to blow stuff up and then he never leaves or he never uses his ticket. And then they kind of come back to this idea and towards the end of the documentary, and he says, I basically hung out with a bunch of hippies to try to recover and finds a way to get back on set dressed as an extra. Yeah. He like, so the extras find out that he's living with these hippies and they go to talk to him and he convinces one of them to give his costume to him. And so, yeah, yeah. they, they point out one of the scenes that he's in for sure uh, in the movie, but if, if they would have caught him, it would have, it would have forfeited his whole. That was the thing. Is like they paid him his whole director's fee. Yeah. Yeah. No, that shit is hilarious. That yeah. that shit. Ah, man. And it was that thing where they found him, right? Like those the because the, the people were there for so much longer than they expected, and all of the beast people, people playing beast people, were just having a blast. It's like an orgy, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so some Good of the, and them. then some of the crew yeah, people, absolutely. like there was the one guy he got hired, he got fired for something, right? And then he got rehired in a different yeah. department. And that guy was he the guy that found Stanley? Like he like he was just off campus one day wherever it was that they were and then they saw something like i'm probably romanticizing this but i feel like this is how it was painted like they saw something on the river and it was like stanley kind of just living on the land (laughs) he was like living on a friend's property or i don't like that it's it does sound like we're making this up completely We are not. But it's this, this is legitimately <laughs> like, uh, I, as beautiful. So I feel like Val Kilmer's documentary is beautiful. It really is hard for me to really get lost in it because it's really just a. I'm not saying this in a negative way. It's a tribute to his life. He created a tribute to his life, right? Uh, and the other one is just this like it's purely entertaining. It's, it's like, I, I feel like it's like the survivor of documentary films, right? (laughs) That kind of, it's, it's gotta be like some, I'm sure like film people are just like, it's like the bottom of the barrel as far as like documentary entertainment. Yeah. They certainly didn't bring in Val Kilmer to get a balanced opinion of Richard Stanley. Sure. Sure. Like exactly. I mean, it's pretty clear the perspective that we're getting from that documentary. Right. Right. And, I wish uh, they, they could intermix that footage, though, because when you see the stuff, it must be in the Val documentary, right, where it's the conflicts with Frankenheimer, Frankenheimer yeah, where Frankenheimer, he's like, yeah. yeah, he's like running it to uh, to basically document. He would do this a lot in, yeah. in like the kind of because he documented so much. He's got like that's 
not even just storage locker. He has got like a whole facility of like all his uh his yep. archive that they showed us in the documentary. Were just, Dave, were you just like salivating? There was oh man, that. I relate to that in ways I can't get it yeah. to. But <laughs> it's, uh, I, I you know what I think it is because I. I will just like name it quickly because of the, the, I don't know if Einer is the right word, but it's so interesting to me that that Val documentary, because it does, it's so most, so much of that footage that I wish could have been integrated in Lost Souls as well, uh, that VHS stuff was, you know, he shot it, I think without, who knows what he ever intended to do with it, but it was ultimately like finished by these two other guys, Ting. Ting Poo and Leo Scott. So it was like Do- Val had filmed all this stuff. So I don't know if he like found these people and wanted them to make this documentary if, or if they wanted to make it and he got really involved and gave them all the stuff and all this. Um, but some, so there were some other people ultimately shaping all this. But I think what's so interesting about it, like Palmer says, is it's so... Uh, it, it can be... T- like, here's the best way I think I can get at it. We got... Oh, I don't know. 20 minutes in, I'm watching it with the bride and she just goes, I don't, it's like when he's doing Hamlet or trying to do Hamlet in, in drama school. She's like, I don't think I need this in my life. <laughs> and she didn't finish it. <laughs> yeah. Cause I think she just yeah. can't take it. She can't deal with that. And at the same time, she's married to someone who understands that kind of pretension and whatever. So well, <laughs> like I never did Hamlet, but I was very interested in it and I know it better than I should. It just appeals to a certain kind of like artsy asshole, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I recognized so much of that uh, in it, but I understand. I also understood this kind of like, I don't know. I related to a lot and I think I've been working on this piece. That's like, I really put it on the sh- shelf that I'm kind of working towards. Cause I realized it was about, is about the whole thing. It was about, for me, the whole kind of creative impulse and the thread through my life and these documentary projects that people have started about my creative endeavors that they didn't finish that I've picked up and this bizarre, um, you know, idiosyncratic practice. But anyway, I think what could potentially be interesting about what I'm working on for other people is that I, is that I am unknown and that they might see themselves in it because everybody knows somebody like me in their life that is like creative in this way and feels the need to be sort of seen and heard whatever to, but anyway, so I think that's kind of maybe what's relatable about what I'm doing, what may be interesting someday about it to others um, beyond what it's revealing to me about myself over the years. But I think the thing with Val, it's like, it's, it's really only interesting because he is so well known. Like that's the yep. thing. It's like the shock of like seeing baby Sean Penn and, and Kevin Bacon and those oh, people man. in the dressing room. Maybe Mooning like, the camera. I yeah, can't believe they're like, they like flash. And then they're like, that's going to be worth a lot of money someday. <laughs> is that they, yeah, like, I forgot yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. And so it's like, yeah. So I've related it to it in that way of where it was like, oh wow, this is like something so similar. Anyway, I, I don't have the vault that he has, but what I was getting at with that footage is that that could be so interesting is, um, yeah, when he would roll it, like whether it was like divorce type stuff with his wife to document things, to kind of defend himself or or the stuff on the set with, with Frankenheimer or or even Brando and he's like pushing him on the swing and stuff. It would have been so interesting to see those perspectives. And I felt like they could live in the Island of All Lost Souls, like no problem. And I, I yeah. think maybe if that had been a few years later, that would happen. Like, I feel like if it lost souls happened after Val, maybe they would include it, but maybe in 
what was that 2015 or 13 when that was finished yeah, 14 I, I guess it came out okay. somewhere around there you never know with these sort of independent things yeah. but he might not have been quite so far in his sort of uh what do you call it it's like this sort of trajectory towards humility you know when people say that thing like oh i'm so humbled by this it really bothers me because i don't it's like no you're not you're like honored you're uh flattered when you say that to be humbled is in my estimation at least as i understand it is like what happens to val kilmer like he's like on top of the world and then he's not and then you see from that this perspective that he gets that where he's kind of saying like yeah it's kind of an asshole sometimes or whatever and i'm like trying to trying to do it a little better he doesn't say it in so many words but kind of and yeah. uh and that type of like genuine humility is so fucking rare <laughs> in our uh and in public figures these days that it's like yeah gender it engenders kind of, at least in me like it engendered a kind of i don't know it's like disarming Timothy's not the right word i was just like oh i whatever sort of like I see Val as Iceman or whatever. I'm just like, fuck you. But now I see that and I'm like, still fuck you. But also I want to give him a hug. And I think part of that yeah, just yeah. comes from him being owning the fact that he's like, yeah, I've done all this. And it's like, I wouldn't necessarily do anything differently now, even though I made mistakes because I've discovered these things along the way and an appreciation of um, what I have. So uh, I don't know. So it's like, I, I would love Oh, this is a weird roundabout way of saying like how much I would also then like to see him just allowing himself to be shown in these unflattering ways by like also contributing his footage to that other documentary and like melding the two. It's that thing from Cobra Kai where she, where, uh, yeah. where Ali says, it's like, you got your version of the truth and you got yours and probably it's somewhere in the middle. These are such, and that's the thing with documentaries too. It's so, you got to pick a perspective. Yeah. when you're when you're putting them together and you some sure. people yeah. really insert themselves like a michael moore type thing but like you know just like you were saying palmer like it feels like, like yeah you, you got something that people want to watch like yep. you, you, yeah you, if, if you it was just three or four hours of just a camera in a room watching a movie get made nobody would fucking watch that documentary you have to pull a story out of it. At the end of the day, you're still making entertainment, even in a documentary. Yeah. So you have to pull a story out of that. And it's and fucking conflict is one of the easy like I'm sure there was hours of the making of the doctor uh, the island of Dr. Moreau that would have been that balanced perspective. But showing that conflict, especially when the title is like Richard whatever is like doomed vision of the island of dr moreau like that they're very upfront with what per, again like twinkie said with what perspective we're gonna see there right and yeah. and just like val you know i was gonna say you're never a villain in your own story right and so like exactly you're never gonna just like the so like you talk about the hamlet and the like the the camera and like the brooding and all that <laughs> yeah the scene where he's talking about how depressing it is that he has to go peddle his life. Basically that and, was by and, far the most challenging scene for me. Yeah. I mean, you mean when and, in his later life where he's kind of trading on his old. Yeah. After, yeah. Like what, it's after the tombstone. He, yeah. Movie yeah. He's at the tombstone. There's in that. What's funny is like that tombstone rally. 
is the is the there's one shot where the camera like follows behind him and he turns around and he leans against a post. That's the one I'm talking the, about. And the camera like comes in on him and he's just like, it's the same exact energy. If you were to superimpose those Hamlet shots and that shot together, it's the same thing. So is he fucking acting? Is he really depressed? Like, again, he is dick. Whether or not those other guys are the directors or whatever of the movie, like, he is dictating what we are seeing. The same way we're seeing... that guy is dictating what we're seeing about the making of Island of Dr. Yeah, it's absolutely. A, it's a, it's a lot easier to portray himself as a victim. And it's a lot easier for Val Kilmer to not portray himself as an asshole. Right. Like, yeah. Right. Like just like the, him recording that thing with his wife over the kids, how many conversations did they have about the kids that he didn't fucking record where he doesn't know the cameras there. So I have to make sure I say everything exactly what, how I'm supposed to say it. And maybe that's why the camera's there. Maybe he talked like 18 times before then and just lost his shit. But the, but now he's using it for this documentary to see like sh- see how like I'm trying to be it just and again is this idea of pri- it's a position of privilege. You're in a position of privilege if you're getting to call all the shots on the documentary, you know. It's kind of like the victor gets to write history. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you, yeah. You're, you're deciding what people get to see and hear about you. I would be so interested to to know the relationship, or like to know what. I I don't know that we will because that that kind of transparency I don't think we'll get. But I would so love right. to know like what that was like. Did he get approval? Was it important? Did the, there was a contractual that he couldn't? But but yeah. that, you bring up a great insight when you say that thing about like him leaning on the post because even if he signed a contract that said he could have no no input on like how the edit is or whatever and he gives them all the access to whatever um he still has that whole career of knowing that like you can dictate certain things by only giving certain things as an actor exactly (laughs) yeah and and he's a good fucking actor. I'm oh, not yeah. going to deny that either. He's a brilliant fucking actor. And and I and again, I'm not I am so grateful for his portrayal of his cancer. I am so grateful regardless of what the motivation is, it is a very very vulnerable portrayal of himself. Like all of the all of the like prior stock footage aside, the current time of Val Kilmer's life, all of that footage is very vulnerable the an intimate the interaction with his kids the like the the with his mom where uh, they're going to have his mom cremate like all uh, of that shit yeah and with it's the like his wife is there <laughs> and like and he's wearing her jewelry and you and you think back to all the times he was putting on that gaudy like turquoise yeah and you're like and you're what like, is what this yes what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. and just like come on are you in the turquoise stage of your life thou kilmer come on like <laughs> And then you know why it is. And so yeah. like, all of that stuff was just, a, but again, very entertaining. Like I'm tearing up thinking about some of that shit. Oh, right? yeah. like, and, and all the stuff with like, his brother, like that, that and that carried on that. and you would see in the yep. background that I never knew anything about. Yep. 
and how it, much he uh, looked like his brother like that oh my god I, yeah i could not tell which one was him when they kept right. showing all three like it oh and then the stuff with his dad how his dad just wasn't the same after that and like mm -hmm. and and so ah uh, yeah the dad thing is a really good it's like he didn't learn from that lesson because his dad used his power and influence to like get the boys from the mom and then mm -hmm. like he wasn't he said his dad blamed himself for his brother's death and he was never the same after his brother's death and it's like he continued to use his power and influence as becoming this up and budding actor to like bully on the set basically and like he never learned from that and just like all the and 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 because my whole take on it is it's like i'm it's i'm really happy for you that you have this like you said humbling experience it's unfortunate that it took getting throat fucking cancer for you to have that experience. Like, yeah. and at the end of the day, you still were an asshole for all those other times. It doesn't like make like Twinkie said, you're not excusing any of that behavior. And I feel like there's an attempt for that where it's really easy to be cynical and say, he's only being upfront with his cancer to try to like gain sympathy for all this, this reputation he had built for himself. You know, and and I try not to be cynical like that because it is a beautiful film, beauty and super entertaining. It's like Bread and Circus was the other documentary, and then Val Kilmer's was just this like beautifully put together one that just was a joy to watch. Yeah, just hearing his son narrate it, and yeah, there's yeah. a lot of like really the the scene when he. And they 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 have a setup and then a payoff, where he sets up where he's talking to his daughter and he's like, "All right, I'm going to come pick you up." Oh, and like they, yeah. you realize they live in the in a duplex with the uh, beside each other, and but then later in and he and so then you you've found how he lost the love of his life. He didn't get to like get custody of his kids and his like all the he had to give up his dream of like having uh a retreat for actors and artists. And then it, he, it comes full circle and it shows like he's still in the times of need. He still has his, all of his family around him. And that scene when like his daughter goes into her house and he like touches, he like turns around to close his door and he's just like, so he like touches his heart. But again, like he's a fucking great actor. He knows <laughs> how to fucking like toy with your, so is it genuine or is it acting? That's so interesting. He has that like studio. He gets that studio where all those artists right. are like, yeah, which I recognize one of those guys there were the, the, in the background. I'm Whoa, like, that's really? fucking Hamill on trial. I, that's one of my favorite. Like he's like this one man band. That was what the, well, here you go. It's like my little like pretentious dickhead world. We cross with theirs. And I'm like, Oh, I know that guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's but anyway, awesome. I, yeah, I would have been right there. I'd been at that show. <laughs> yeah. But it, it, it's like, it, he, it's, it comes full circle because it shows like all these things he pursued in life and then feels like he lost. He still has them. Like he, mm. like when push comes to shove, even if his ex-wife went with him to like go cremate his mom. Right. Yeah. Like, I was, that was, I, I was surprised because the bride knows these things. She knows like who was married to who in the eighties. It's very surprising really? to me about her. Yep. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Was her name? I do I not. I forgot. Jo uh, Wally was her last name or something. Joanne something, I think. Yeah. Think. 
Uh, but so when she showed up again, though, that had a real impact. Yeah, the sort of the 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 construction mm-hmm. of it was really great, and I took note of it as a sort of uh, autobiographical <laughs> documentary, trying to bring some structure to life through creative projects. I was like, oh, it's interesting how they go back here. Uh, you know how they kind of help create some dramatic arcs in real life, which is so scattershot and not, you know, concise or linear. Uh, yeah. How did it? So I, I know we're running, we're, we're fast to lose you here, Twiki. So I, I want to make sure to um, touch on, I guess the, I, there's two things I want to know uh, primarily. One is like, what drew you to this and kind of what were your takeaways? Twinkie. And then I also want to know from Palmer is like how this, how watching this documentary kind of affected. And you, I think you've said it, but maybe, you know, can kind of come back to like, you know, after all this, this is how I, I'm feeling about the guy. But, but I'm curious, I, I'm not sure if you've gotten into it, at least not enough for my satisfaction, Twinkie. Like what, what drew you to these to uh, kind of bring them to the table so that now we could all, I could dive into this documentary about Island Lost Souls that I've been wanting to watch forever. And, um, Anyway, it's been really fun. Uh, I'm glad you brought it up, but I'm just kind of curious, like what what was that impetus and what it was like then to kind of spend the time uh, delving into it and talking about it with us. Yeah, so I mean, I I guess I didn't I didn't really have like a, a I wasn't like a big Val Kilmer fan, right? I didn't I've never seen Batman Forever or at least all of it. Um, my first Batman was the Nolan Batman's. Um, I just never, he just never, I mean, I work in the aviation field and everybody talks about Top Gun and I don't know, like Top Gun is fine, but it's just. Well, well, just be I know, careful. I'm, I'm dancing on a line <laughs> This is here. a long standing nope. thing. If we were ever going to have a, a shirt in the early days, it was going to be don't talk shit about Top Gun. Yeah, I get it. I'll steal I myself, don't. but I felt like I should say that. Yeah, I'm dancing a <laughs> line. Personal preference, of course. Top Gun 2, of course, coming out in November. Um, but I don't know there. I mean, obviously his performance is Morrison and then I, I, I really liked the movie, the saint and I, I saw him and things, but he was never like, Oh, a Val Kilmer movie is coming out. Let me go see Val Kilmer in a movie. He wasn't one of those actors for me. And I, that, you know, that's not, it's not a, certainly not a slight against him. He could care less about my opinion of him, but for whatever reason, he just didn't engage me or didn't appeal to me or maybe it was the roles that he got or chose i don't know anyway all of that being said it was nice to be able to come to this somewhat like independent really of of that sort of passion right when i'm watching a documentary about blade runner i already have all these pre-existing ideas and feelings and knowledge and hope and passion i don't really have that about val kilmer right i don't have strong feelings like Palmer does. Um, But then you get to watch this movie about him and realize that, guess what? Val Kilmer is a person. And we've already talked about, you know, he can decide as an actor what he does or doesn't want to do. But even just seeing him in the, in the uh, comic con doing his signing, like I've already talked on this show about how, Boy, there's really a feeling of like kind of like dirtiness almost in some of those cases where 
older retired actor is now sitting at a bench signing, you know, pictures. And is he having a good time? Is he really enjoying engaging with the fans or is it the 150 bucks a pop? Every time he signs his name, that's the real appeal. Can um, you sign it? Uh, you'll always be my wingman. Yeah, that's yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Like, that that montage is just and, and isn't it the tough? fact that he's got a like throws up in a fucking trash can and then like yeah. rallies and comes back and like thankfully like that like one of the first guys is like thank you so much for coming back like that the it it yeah it is nice that they showed how it's not all those like. Yeah. greasy people you know, know, the, are the guys really going to just go sell that on ebay probably you know like right right um, right so i don't I, you know it was really just nice to have an insight of him especially after the lost souls documentary which i mean it, i wouldn't describe it as a hit piece but it was <laughs> it was a little i mean for what i would say about val and that he didn't go after anybody in this like we talked about him def- maybe defending himself against his ex-wife a little bit or some of the other things there that he did to defend himself the the, the lost one souls one kind of veered into let's take some shots at people every once in a while which, <laughs> oh yeah 100 I mean, <laughs> and again that's it's like the survive it's like you know there is definitely two different like genres of documentary yeah. play here right mm-hmm. like it, it, which is it, it's difficult to try to compare them to each other from that aspect uh, for sure uh yeah they, i mean they just the yeah, hit piece defend, thing is so accurate and to defend the, the the lost souls val doesn't have to defend himself about island of dr moreau right because he has all this other stable of work that he can point to richard stanley right other than the Nick Cage movie that he made in 2019, you know, hasn't been back in Hollywood since then. Right. He doesn't, he does have to defend himself. He does have to say that isn't me. You know, I was treated unfairly. I did have to deal with these, um, these actors who made a decision to submarine my production after we didn't get along or we didn't see eye to eye or I wasn't giving them what they needed or, he does have to defend himself because he doesn't have anything else to point to, to say, no, but I did do all of these things that are really good. That's um, so interesting. So, yeah. yeah. Like it, it, it impacts his uh, livelihood. I hadn't thought yeah. of that. That's very yeah, cool. I mean, or I mean, very interesting. Maybe not cool. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. But so I guess I do understand that he's in a little bit of a different position that he has to defend himself rather than Val can just have it as a, what was it? Four or five minutes in the documentary. And then that show me on the right. Let me show, let's show me on the red carpet at Top Gun, right? Like, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can do that. You can move on. And Island of Dr. Moreau is a footnote, kind of a weird experience, a bad nightmare, whatever. But it didn't change any, you know. He uses, he uses the uh, first director as the segue to get to his conflict with the like replacement director, mm. pretty much. Like yeah. he, he, he's right. like the, the, you know, I, I was filming the Island of Dr. Moreau and the first director just was a good guy, but oh, no, was a good guy, but didn't. Yeah. And over, yeah. Says exact, almost exactly that. Like it was a, a decent guy enough, but just seemed to be in over his head. So they replaced him and then it cuts to then that conflict with that replacement director. That's 
all Richard Stanley, like the closest a reference to Richard Stanley, yeah. the Val Kilmer documentary gets. Well, and, and, and so I, I'll say though, watching both of those, I don't, I didn't really walk away with like a different opinion of Val Kilmer. I just kind nope. of view Val Kilmer like I viewed him before. Yeah. Um, but I didn't have a strong like, oh, you know, he's more of an asshole than everybody else or he has more of an ego than anybody else in Hollywood did, you know, but it, I enjoyed them. I, I really liked I like to believe that I saw I've got to see like the real Val Kilmer, whether we did or not. Right. I mean, who knows? But I would like to believe that. I mean, that scene sure. after he's introduced on the stage and then leans against the post and talks about his time, you know, traveling around the country, talking about his past experience. I mean, that resonates. Like I'm getting older. Like I don't want to live in the past either. I want to have new experiences and I want people to see me for who I am now. I would not want people to meet me. And then they're like, Hey, Top Gun. Like, no, I'm (laughs) 60 years old. Like Top Gun was a long time ago, but did you see my, my one man show of Mark Twain, which looked fantastic. Oh, I wish absolutely. You would have gotten that. Um, so I could definitely see that where you would be like, but I don't want to live in the past. I want to live in now. Right. So there were parts of it that resonated with me and I connected with, but I don't know if I necessarily, you know, I'm going to go watch every single Val Kilmer movie or anything like that, you know? Um, and I don't mean that. Sorry, Val, if you're listening. Don't, you know. should watch Real Genius and yeah, uh, it, the, the, and yeah. Top Secret. Top those, Secret those did two. look like if that's free on Netflix, I'll definitely fire it up one of these times. But Top Secret not. is so good. Yeah, <laughs> <I love it. laughs> yeah. Uh, and Real Genius is is Real Genius is, is, is Real fun. Genius or pure, Real Is it pure, Real Genius or Real? Genius? Yeah, Real, Real Genius. Genius. Yeah, that's a bride's uh, favorite movie. Like, there's weird yeah. shit in that movie. It doesn't even have anything to do with Val Kilmer. Like, can you hammer yeah. a six inch spike with your penis? Oh no! Yeah. Then you're not for me. Something like girl says. Oh, it's yeah. like it's <laughs> bizarre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but well, he's and, great uh, in it. Like I said, I also watched Island of Doctor Moreau and then started with Tombstone. And like Island of Doctor Moreau, like for all the just all the shit that you hear about, if you just pile on the shit, right? Like it's the worst thing ever. It's terrible. It's it's fine. That's what yeah. I've been feeling. I've been watching it like 10 it's minutes watchable. at a time. It's been a little bit of a it's, slog for sure. Just the timing like, when I've been trying, but it's not, they found a way to make it hang together. Best I can tell. It's not yeah. like great, but no, it I, it's sense. not like the most like <laughs> sort of powerful <laughs> plot or it's, I mean, I'm not going to hand it out and tell everybody, boy, you're really sleeping on Island of Dr. Moreau. Right. Like that. <laughs> but like just for all, just for, two decades or almost three decades now just of just getting thumped. I mean, have you pulled up like a movie that Netflix made in the last like five years? (laughs) Like those aren't like blowing the doors off things. I mean, and it feels like it fits in that category. So I don't know. I I would watch Island of Dr. Moreau again. There are scenes that I, you know, enjoyed and thought were fun, but I, I mean, it's just not like, I got to turn this off 10 minutes in because booms are in the way. And, uh, (laughs) you know, Brando isn't completely mailing it in. Like 
there are no oh he's always interesting he's weird as shit but like that's what it is you're like what the fuck is he doing and like he's always so compelling with his thing that's yeah i I, he's got some method down to this madness of not wanting whoever it is to act in his ear there's a five minute scene where he's confronted by the beasts that are finally rebelling against him that was absolutely incredible yeah awesome I mean, just great. Like, I if you need to watch a five-minute part of the movie, it's great. Is it like that? It's the Bella Lugosi thing where, like, you made us in the house of pain, the old yes. thing, I bet. Oh, yeah. yeah. They're, they're confronting him. Oh, and that's Ron and Perlman that had this, yeah. like, horrible experience with Brando. And Brando's like, what the fuck is this guy doing for the longest time? And then he realizes after, like, weeks that he's playing it blind and he changes his whole tune. He's like, oh, you're an actor doing a thing. I respect that. And then they become friends. Yeah. Uh, that's the thing I learned from Ron Perlman's uh, autobiography. He was cool. like destroyed by how Brando was treating him. And then you hear all these stories about the people in that movie talking about like, I don't even feel like I was in a movie with Marlon Brando or like everything. That's the other interesting the time, thing. His, about, du- his double was like standing in. Oh, for him, that's like, right. I forgot about that. You don't, Norm. I don't notice that stuff watching Norm. the movie so far. Hey, what's your name? <laughs> Norman. Norman. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're doing great, Norman. Oh yeah. my god. And they said they confronted they confronted him and he's just like what it looks like I've done it, it works. Like that's essentially like it was the director's reaction when they called him out on it. He's like, he's got white paint on his face, it works. Yeah. Like that's his you know <laughs> I know for like I mean Frankenheimer did not seem appealing in the I guess it's probably the Val documentary. Either of them. He's not portrayed well in either one. Like, yeah, but but I don't know. I don't know if it was him or the editor, but so far somebody pulled it together and made it make sense. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <It laughs> Which did doesn't sound seem like an like easy they, feat. Frankenheimer probably those last couple weeks was like, fucking, we got 20 shots to get. Let's yep. get this done. I feel like that's how he arrived on set. He like he was hired as a fixer. Mm-hmm. Right? Like we just we just need you to, we need to get a movie out of this. Yeah. Here's a script. Money. Here's yep. your shooting schedule. Get it done. We Not, need a movie. We don't want you engaged. We don't want you to rewrite. <laughs> we don't want you to, we want you to script shooting schedule. Yep. Do it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Go do it. Make it happen. And that's, that's how he approached it. That was the kind of filmmaker he was. And that's why he was, why yeah. you can have a movie you can watch. Cause that's what he was good at. You know, is, but I feel like all of these train wreck productions that we've mentioned are all movies that are watchable. I got to watch like, that Alien 3 one now. That really has oh, yeah. me peaked. Because I've watched Heart yeah. of Darkness. Heart of Darkness is just, the, I think, the best. At least oh, you I've have seen that? Oh. Yeah, I've seen Heart of Darkness. Oh, I want to watch yeah. it again right now. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, Coppola, Coppola is just... Oh, it's like, worth it. It's so worth no it. There's no acting yeah. from Coppola. You can tell. But... But it makes me want to watch these because it is interesting. Obviously, we're still only seeing what people want us to see. But I guess, too, it, it does pull back the veil a little bit of mystery. I mean, when it comes down to it, Hollywood is thousands of people trying to make this one specific thing happen. And the fact that it gets done at all is a is an absolute miracle. The fact that it gets done well is ridiculous. And the fact that you end up with just timeless gems is miraculous yeah I, yeah. I mean yeah it's like anything to survive all the petty bullshit that goes through any <sighs> sort of professional endeavor <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly and especially you get all these like kind of egos in the room that that invo- oh i can't even imagine I, i've only heard reports and it just seems awful 
<laughs> I I mean, like we didn't talk about it. And I don't, there's not much to get into it otherwise. But like that thing with like Feruza Balk is so in for like Richard Sandler. She's like, I'll cut my fucking heart out with this like yeah fork or whatever. Yeah, he's driven all the way across Australia. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, all oh that. my god, the tensions and the and the dr- drama all involved from like actors and uh, creatives. It's a uh, well, yeah. it's rife for, <laughs> for all this stuff. So but Palmer. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Gar- I'm going to hear what Palmer it. has to say, and then I'll probably have to go here in just a couple of minutes. It, really yeah, to- well, we can we can wrap on on this, too, because we're over even for Dave and I. So uh, I, I, I kind of already said it, I think, when we first talked about this episode, like recording this episode. So for you long walkers that don't know there's been a running gag on the show that val kilmer is my nemesis and it started with an image Wait, this is a this is a gag i didn't know this was a gag. yeah uh the, there was an image of val kilmer you hadn't heard anything of val kilmer and then there was an image from a con that made it surrounds on the internet and he looked in hindsight now, after watching the documentary, you realize you haven't seen him for all that time. And I, yeah, I'm going to have to go quick. I'm going to have to wrap this up. Dog needs to walk. Basically, he was dealing with his cancer when that, when that photo came out. I only had the image of the Lost Soul documentary and then the other stories of him being a tear on set. It, the picture did not mention he had cancer. And so in my head, I was like, all of that, like, peak, and then this is how you end up looking, you know, like, you're like the poster child of Hollywood, and then this is what, like, you know, that's how all of the poster children of Hollywood end up, right? And so I made an offhanded joke of insulting two actors simultaneously by saying that <laughs> that image i was like hey did you see that image of val kilmer he looks like nick nolte's mugshot and so then anytime and and, and if you don't know there's this awesome photo of nick nolte <laughs> who got arrested for dui in a hawaiian shirt and has like the craziest hair on the planet and it looks like it's just taken in a hallway but it's in a police station yeah and he has an awesome face. It's just like, a, I don't give a fuck. It's face. a classic. It's, yeah. It's like, it, like a classic meme thing too. I think. Yeah. Yeah. But I said, he looks like Nick Nolte's mugshot. And so then anytime I would be like, Oh, I hear Val Kilmer's in that. I would text the long walker, the long walk thread of that mugshot. Like, like <laughs> this Val Kilmer, like as referring, yeah. like this is him. Uh, all that to say, I am, my attitude has not changed. I think that there were plenty of opportunities that he could have used that privilege and not, not using those words, even with that mentality, then that's what I meant is like, he had so much opportunity that he could have been more, but instead he chose to really just like, and I get he's a perfectionist. And so was Stanley Kubrick. Stanley Kubrick, I thought, I think is a fucking asshole. Like, I think that, he, like, I don't approve of a lot of his methods behind this on the set either, you know? And so I, it doesn't mean anything less. I, I, I value his experience, whether or not it's a tailored experience that we're seeing. I still value that he had, like, you see him plugging his fucking stoma to talk for like right, 80% yeah. of this documentary. You like see him constantly like wiping, like be, spit from his mouth. His teeth look fucking terrible from like all of this shit. Like he, 
I can't devalue that bravery to be that forward after being such an icon in Hollywood. Um, still doesn't mean I don't think he was an asshole during that time. And I'm, and I don't think that um, bravery and humbleness absolves you from that either. Like you don't, you still got to be a fucking dick for two decades, basically. Like yeah. you don't get to take it all back now because you realize, well, oh, I was a dick for two decades. You were still a dick for two decades, you know? Yeah. I so, mean, I think there are definitely further things that you can do and maybe those are happening behind the scenes, whether that's engaging with your ex-wife or you're engaging with former co-stars or directors, you know, you have the opportunity where possible to, to address concerns that people have if you feel like it. And I don't know if I see, you didn't necessarily feel that way. You just kind of felt like, yeah, I do regret some things, but not really. And that's okay. Yeah. I mean, Hey, I mean, if that's where you are, then you have to kind of deal with that image that will still exist about you. <laughs> Maybe not rightfully. So they're both still worth watching. It is great stories and very yeah. entertaining. Both of them. Uh, and, uh, I am excited. To, like Val Kilmer is going to be in something uh, coming up, a, a big project in somebody's movie soon. I'm excited to see him do that, uh, and I wish him nothing but the best. I, you know, I hope he takes this and he builds off of it and doesn't, you know, and just keeps moving with it. Yeah, this was so fun to to get to like dive into these things from the encouragement that that you the gauntlet that you dropped twiki the that that episode yeah. or at least the way you did you're like oh <laughs> i had a lot of fun with these so i'm, yeah, I'm glad I really you brought enjoyed it, it it's nice when i can use this as an excuse maybe to, to go into areas that i normally wouldn't go into i kind of go to the tried and true or you know the 499 bin no yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> Now I can finish watching Tombstone tonight. Absolutely. I'm going to keep chipping away at Island of Dr. Rowe. I, yeah. I would stop, but now I didn't want to see that scene that you said was so great. It and is isn't there like, a part where Val Kilmer like imitates Marlon Brando yes. eventually? There <laughs> Which are I, like legitimately good scenes. In yeah. the, I, I mean, I'm not, I don't know. I'm the guy who said at one point that episode one was a good movie. So whatever <laughs> I'm worth. But I don't know. People are coming like, around. Yeah, but there I'm are okay like, with le- that. Yeah. There are legitimately what? good scenes in this movie. <laughs> Yeah, I, I can't. I, I mean, you got to go, but we're going to come back to that someday. <laughs> you can't just drop I, that. Like, I'm fine okay. with that. That's I, a good movie. I, I, <laughs> I You know what? I'll, I can sum it up in 30 seconds. Like, the, 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 the our age Star Wars fan base, you raped my childhood. I'm not going to rape some other kid's childhood because they grew up on those movies and they love them just as much as I did. So I'm not going to be – I'm going to take the high road. I'm not going to ruin that and shit all over because I wouldn't have wanted somebody to do that my entire growing up on going with the original prequels or the original trilogy, you know? So there is a generation of kids who those were their star Wars movies. And I should just be happy that there was another generation of star Wars fans that got sucked in because of those movies, just like 15 years from now, there will be another generation of star Wars fans who got sucked in from the current new trilogy that is so polarizing to existing fans right. uh, because that will be their star Wars movies that they grew up watching and having access to. So I like it. I like it. Yeah. All right. I fully accept that. That was very nice. <laughs> it doesn't mean though. I have to be a fan of it. anymore. <laughs> so that, that's like, 
Maybe that's, that's how fair. I don't shit all over. We don't have to like. We don't Two have things to like can be true. Like. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, all right. Hey, I man, I really. Yeah, I have this to be able never to. ever gets old. I really, really, really value. You never get time. old, you fucking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the, the 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 time that I get to spend with you guys is just incredible. So thanks, I really always appreciate a privilege. It. Yeah, always a privilege, right? Yeah. All right. All right. See you guys. You guys have a great evening. Yep. We'll yeah. talk to you later. Take care, guys. Dave, we'll talk to you soon. All right, bye. Love you guys. Love you too. Love you. Bye. There you have it. Thank you to Palmer and Twinkie for the very fun conversation. Thank you to Moto for our rock and theme music. Thank you to you for watching or listening, however you encounter the show. I appreciate that uh, the interest and um, if whatever platform you're on, if you could subscribe and rate and review all that stuff, it'd be really cool. Um, But if not, I'm just. We're grateful for your ears and eyes and uh, attention. So thanks for that. And thanks again for joining us. Stay tuned for Prison Cell Circumstance. So <laughs> if you want. And until next time, it's Dave saying cheers, long walkers.